Well, this is a wonderful time of the year. At least I, I think that that's the way that, um, that I would describe it. And when we talk about time, I think it's interesting how we measure time. Uh, one minute can pass by so quickly when you're doing something you really like and you really enjoy. And uh, one minute can seem almost like an eternity if you're having to do something you really don't want to be doing. And it becomes then uh, a, a great thing that we do not enjoy at all. Now, we're moving into a time of the year, I think, when we can experience some of that. You know, we've always had these phrases like slower than Christmas. I can hardly wait till it gets here. You know, it'll be Christmas before you know it and all of those different phrases. Think about the time and then our anticipation of Christmas. If I calculate correctly, from today going forward, we only have 19 days until Christmas. And that means you have only 456 hours until we celebrate the birth of Christ. And that means really you got a short window to do a lot of different things. Buying presents, wrapping presents, parties to attend, dinners to plan and prepare, and travel plans to make. Now, I don't know whether people are getting an earlier start this year or not, but I only ventured as far out of the house yesterday as Target during the day. And when I got there, that parking lot was full. If you went to Target yesterday out here at Northeast Columbia, yeah, it was almost full. I thought I was going to have to park over there at Lizard's Thicket. The parking lot was full. Inside, all the shopping carts were busy because Target was full. People had to wait in line to get a shopping cart. And I thought, well, maybe everybody's getting a head start and it won't be a last-minute rush for everything that's going on. So I got what I had to do, and I got out of there. But are you all feeling some of the Christmas crunch and feeling anxious yet about that? Are feeling any kind of time restraints on you as we come into this wonderful season of the year? Well, I, I think that there are basically two different approaches that we can have as we come to celebrate Christmas. First of all, uh, is the response that was uh, I heard first uh, the week of November 9 through 11 when I was in Spartanburg for our state convention. I found a, a station, radio station in that area that was already playing nothing but Christmas music. And the first Christmas song I heard was, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you. But you remember some of the lines there? It's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap happiest season of all. Wonderful time with those holiday greetings and great happy meetings where friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. Now this is a section uh, that I really thought about. hadn't really thought about it like this way before, but... There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for roasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Now, in all of our Christmas celebrations in our family, there's never been a telling of ghost stories. So I'm wondering, what is that reference to? So I asked around with some people, and the best thing that we could come up with was, maybe it is in reference to... Um, Charles Dickens' work about Scrooge and his scary experiences that he had with the ghost of Christmas past and all of that. I'm not sure. But so I think on one hand our response is Christmas is a wonderful time. It's a great time. It's a fun time. It's a serious time to celebrate. And we celebrate God's love for us. On the other hand, I think the second response is extremely the opposite of that. And that is that Christmas is uh, just a very busy time. We get caught up in the trappings of everything that's expected of us with the shopping, buying, going, and getting and all of that. Now, sometimes some people want to do what a guy did that I read about. He just decided he wasn't going to do any of that. He was not going to get caught up in any of that. 
a long-standing tradition was sending Christmas cards. And he said, I'm not even going to do that this year. And everything kind of went along, and he kind of he felt comfortable about not getting so involved in Christmas until about four days before Christmas, and he hit the panic button. And he finally decided, I better send out Christmas cards. So he ran down to the, to the drugstore down in the corner. There was one box of cards left. He just grabbed them, went home, sat at his desk, and he addressed 49 cards. That left one after he went to the post office and mailed them. And the next day, sitting down at his desk, he just happened to pick up the card saying, well, let me see what the message was on the inside of the card. And I think he probably went into panic mode when he read these words. This cheery card has come to say, a gift from us is on the way. (laughs) He probably found himself in the lines at Target, don't you think? Last minute shopping and buying. Well, I think this is the time of where we look at how we're going to look at the time around us to celebrate God's timely gift of Jesus Christ. All of our worship and anticipation is to remind us of the gift from God in Jesus Christ and that he was the perfect gift given to us. At just the right time, Jesus came to provide salvation and redemption for all of us who would choose to believe in and accept in Jesus Christ this this gift from God from above. Now, in Galatians 4, when we look there, we see that that, that, the... Paul writes about the fullness of time when Jesus came. And I want us to look there, but I want you to look first with me back a few verses in chapter 3 of Galatians, because it sets the stage for us to talk about God's timely gift. Uh, Paul is writing and talking to, uh, to the Galatians about this, this one true uh, theology about Christ's coming, and, and one true theology about why he came. And that is, he wanted to take us out of the sin and ruination of our life. He wanted to take us out of the circumstances of our life that were opposed to God. He wanted to take us out of the slavery of sin and to bring us into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with God, so that we were free from sin and guilt and shame, and that we literally were born again. And he did so by sending Jesus Christ. And the world waited for that, and waited and waited for that good news. And this is how... Uh, Paul writes it to the Galatians, beginning in chapter 3, verse 26. He says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. Then we go to chapter 4. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now, right in the middle of all that deep theological writing about moving from being a slave to being a child of God, we find what we focus on today. And that is, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. A reminder to us once again that we were all in the captivity and slavery of sin. And there was only one way to be redeemed, only one way to be set free, only one way to have a relationship with God, and that was through the gift of Jesus Christ that he sent to us, which we celebrate at Christmas. That's the reason we celebrate. Now, as we think about this concept, about the fullness of time came, and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God's timely gift, and that was to ransom us, to redeem us, to set us free from slavery so that we could have a relationship with God. I think there are some significant things that we need to look at and find in this passage of Scripture. First of all, it tells us about uh, the time being fulfilled and God's timely gift is that Jesus came when the time was right. Jesus came at the right time. See, when, when, when Jesus came, there had been 400 years a period of silence and when God had not spoken. There'd been no prophet to come on the scene and to speak. That's that time between the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew. Now, so we ask, well, what was going on? Why was God quiet during that time? Why was there no message from God? Well, he had given all the promises about the Messiah who would come. But what God was doing was he was preparing the world so that when Jesus came, the gospel then would then be spread throughout the whole world. So God spent those 400 years of silence preparing history for the birth of Jesus. And Paul says, the time had fully come. Fully come, or in other translations, says the fullness of time. And it has a significant meaning. It literally means a woman at full term of pregnancy. And that's an appropriate, I think, description for us to think about because that involves Mary and her giving birth at that time, at the end of her pregnancy. So the world had come of age and it was ready. So how was the world ready for Jesus to have come at the right time? Well, historians tell us that the world was right politically. The Roman Empire was at its height and while it had its faults and its failures, it had built a wonderful road system connecting most of the known world at that time, and people could travel in basic uh, safety because of the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, uh, and there was a, a fair system of government. And so the world was ready politically. And when Christians became later following after Christ to take the message around the world, there was a great road system. They could travel safely. Then the world was right culturally as well. More and more people were being educated. More and more people were being taken out of slavery and brought into freedom. Uh, the Greek language and culture brought that element of cohesion to society. More people were educated in that Greek language. And the Greek language with which the New Testament was written was what's called the Conine Greek, which means uh, the, the, the uh, local vernacular of the language. And most people could read it and understand it. And then the world was ready spiritually because uh, most people were were wondering about that 400-year period of silence. And they were thinking, maybe God has forgotten us. Is there something I need to find in my life to bring fulfillment and peace and comfort and joy? And there were people who were looking for meaning and purpose in life, I think a lot like our people are today in our culture. Even the Jews were hungry for something more. 
And so at that particular time, it was right for God to send Jesus, not to bring a new religion, but to bring a relationship with God. And he did so not by bringing us under the law to a greater degree, but by freeing us to have that relationship with God through love. And when Jesus came at the right time, he was fulfilling Hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament, all of them pointing toward him and his time coming. In a book entitled Science Speaks, Dr. Peter Stoner suggests that the odds of one person fulfilling eight of these detailed prophecies is one times ten to the seventeenth power. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it reminds me of my days as a freshman at Walford when I was a non-science major and I got in a chemistry class. And they handed me a slide rule. I'd never seen one. Didn't know what in the world it was. And I, and I thought at first, mine's broken, this middle piece slides. And they said, well, that's why it's called a slide rule, dummy. And, and you, know, you had to try to figure out those mathematical equations. Well, it's simple. Let me put it to you this way. This is the way somebody else has described what that means, 1 times 10 to the 17th power. It's, it's a lot. Because it says if it's the amount of silver dollars that would cover the state of Texas to a depth of two feet. Now, that's a lot of silver dollars. Texas is a large area to cover. But that's what it means by 1 times 10 to the 17th power. That's the odds about Jesus coming and fulfilling all of the prophecies. And he did so. He did so over 300 of those prophecies. So what does that say to us about Jesus coming at the right time and fulfilling the prophecies? It says to us, if you ever doubt that God is in control, remember all the prophecies just in Jesus that were fulfilled. If you ever wonder if God will keep his word to you, then remember that he kept his word in sending Jesus and all of his promises about the Messiah were fulfilled. If you ever wonder about your circumstances in life, and does God care, does he know, is he able or capable, even does he will, is he willing to do something about my circumstances in life, then remember that the world was a mess when God sent Jesus. And he did so for that very purpose, is to do something about that messy situation. So this Christmas season reminds us that Jesus came at the right time, in the fullness of time. Then there's a second thing to remember. Not only did Jesus come at the right time, but Jesus came in the right way. He came in the right way to fulfill God's plan. Paul wrote and said, God sent his son born of a woman born under law. And it's interesting he says that he was born of a woman because you see what he's making reference to is the virgin birth about Jesus Christ and his sinless life. You see, through Adam, our first, uh, our first Adam, uh, when Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden and, and Adam chose to sin, then, then there's that original sin that filters down to all of us. And the only perfect sacrifice that would atone for our sins had to be someone who did not have a taint of sin in his life. And that's why Jesus then was born the way that he was. It's an affirmation of his virgin birth. God had to go around the human connection so there was not an earthly man involved in that process of marriage pregnancy, but it was God through the Holy Spirit who did that. 
and also affirms his sinless life. He says, not only born of a woman, but he's born under the law. Jesus came and he did what nobody else could do. That is, he perfectly fulfilled all the expectations of the law. See, we all had fallen short of the glory of God. We couldn't keep up with all those laws. We couldn't abide by them, but Jesus did. But he came to free us from that. It's interesting that um, we, we've kind of gotten away from the, the great verse John three sixteen and some of the older languages that say God gave his own one and only or his begotten son. He asked, what does begotten mean? It simply means fathered by God. So Jesus was fathered by God to a young virgin by the name of Mary, who perhaps was a teenager, so that he could bring his Messiah, his Redeemer, into the world. And the significance of that is he did it through the virgin birth and the sinless life of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came in the right way, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could redeem those of us who were under the law and bring us into a relationship with God. You see, we are not called sinners simply because we sin, but we are called sinners because that's our nature. We are sinners by, by choice as well as by our nature. We trace it back to Adam. He had a choice. He and Eve had a choice, and they chose to sin, to disobey God, even in paradise. And you and I have fallen short of God by sinning. We've chosen to sin, and therefore we're sinners, and we need a Redeemer. And so Jesus came at the right time, and he came the right way, born of this virgin Mary, so that he would be sinless and spotless and be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so that leads us to the third observation, and that is that Jesus came to do the right thing. Paul says, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. And we go back to look at where we started in Galatians 3, reading about that passage of Scripture and how uh, we, were, we were slaves, and God wanted us to be his heirs, his children, and, and, and we couldn't because of the sin issue, but in the fullness of time, when the time had fully come, then God sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. So that means that we don't have to live by the law anymore. But we live by grace. We live in the relationship with God of love and grace and forgiveness. And Jesus came to do the right thing, which was to die in obedience to God's plan on the cross so that his sinless blood would be shed as the only perfect sacrifice for our sins and we could be forgiven and live in relationship with God. You see, to be in relationship with God means we have to be righteous. And the only way we're made righteous is by accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross. That he, the perfect son of God, allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross so that his perfect blood would make the payment for our sins and we could be in that relationship with God when we choose to believe. See, we all need a redeemer. All of us need, all of us need to know forgiveness of our sins and to be redeemed. And we have to do that by faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Now, what do we need to take home from this as we think about this Christmas story, celebrating it once again? 
You know, no matter how many times I get to celebrate it, this will be my 63rd. It's still a wonderful time for me. I think it's, a, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love the excitement of it. I love the music of it. I love our celebrations of it. But then we have to go deeper than that. And we have to immerse ourselves in this story to understand the fullness of time. And so the first thing that I would suggest to you to do is, is to immerse yourself in the Christian story so that you come to understand this Christmas and what it means. Read the first two chapters of Matthew. Read the first two chapters of Luke. And come to that understanding of God's perfect timing and how he orchestrated everything in a perfect way. And you read those words very carefully. You see, he had to do, he had to do a lot, didn't he? In Matthew's account, we see the message come into Joseph. And Joseph had a, he had a burden. He had to accept and believe that his, his spouse, woman, his wife, to be, Mary, the love of his life, would, would become pregnant through the Holy Spirit of God. And deliver birth to the Messiah? You know, that was a lot for him to, to deal with and to accept. And he had to struggle with that for a while. And when you read in Luke's gospel, he comes, the angel comes to Mary, this young teenage virgin, and, and announces to her that she's been chosen by God because of who she was and that she would give birth to the Messiah. And she had to come to an acceptance of that and saying, I'm simply... I'm your servant. Do as you will. Now, if you're going to immerse yourself in that Christian story, Christmas story, and and get all the details about that and understand how God orchestrated all those events and moved through those circumstances, then that leads to the second thing you need to understand and make application to your life. And that is, choose to trust God's work in your circumstances. See, when Jesus came, when he was born into this world, the world was a mess. It was right culturally, politically, and, and, and other ways for him to come. But it still was a mess. I look around us today and I see our world is a mess. And some of you here today have messy lives. You know, their sin, their problems, their family issues, their financial issues, their health issues, their marriage issues, all of those kinds of things are going on in your life in this most wonderful season. You're thinking, bah humbug, it's not a wonderful season. Well, it can be. Remind yourself that you have a choice to make. And that is that by faith, you can trust God to work in and through the circumstances of your life to bring about peace. That's Christmas is indeed a celebration uh, of joy and peace and hope. And whatever the issues are you're dealing with in your life, whatever kind of crisis you have going in your life, then here the ultimate is, is that you can trust God in circumstances of your life. So look at God's perfect sense of timing in the Christmas story. Choose to trust God's work in your circumstances. And then thirdly, Receive the gift of Jesus. You see, some of you are here today and you've heard this Christmas story, but you've never received Jesus Christ as God's gift to you. You have to receive Jesus as, as the gift who came from God in the fullness of time, at the right time, in the right way, so he could be your Savior. And that he literally died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. And all you need to do is to invite him into your life. Believe that what he did was through God's plan 
so that you could know the forgiveness of your sins and you could be free from guilt and shame and punishment and you could be made righteous in the sight of God and you could live with God in relationship with him for the glory of God. What a wonderful time of the year to celebrate the birth of Christ and what a wonderful way to do it if you've never done it before to accept Jesus as the gift of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this marvelous uh, Christmas season in which we celebrate the birth of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that you had uh, in bringing into this world your begotten Son, who would be the sacrifice for our sins and be our Savior by dying in our place. Father, we, we celebrate that, but help us to be uh, even more aware, maybe than ever before, about how you orchestrated so many things together to bring about the fullness of your time, to bring to us the gift of salvation. And may we respond with lives of commitment to this Jesus Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. Because we have to look beyond the cradle to look at the cross and see the completion of your Christmas story. So help us to do that today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.